is the way to wonder. Welcome to the Money Better Podcast, brought to you by Union Bank and Trust in Lincoln, Nebraska. Get ready for an authentic conversation about how to do money better by making financial decisions that are right for you. Money doesn't have to be a scary topic anymore. Instead, let's get real about the lessons others have learned, then find ways to use those experiences to get it right. I'm your host, Caitlin Moore. Let's chat. Welcome everyone to episode 10 of Money Better. Today we're talking through scams and fraud when it comes to your money. And I'm here with Brittany Cum. She's the assistant manager on the customer support team here at UBT. And she's been with the bank for 13 years and she's kind of a big deal. So thank you, Brittany, for being with us today on Money Better. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And working in the customer support team, as you've mentioned, we deal with a variety of issues. And unfortunately, that involves scams and questionable activity. So I feel as though I can be a great resource for you, the bank and our customers. And I'm really excited to, to share what things are out there and how we can protect ourselves. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And one of my favorite parts of interacting with you is that I hear stories from you. And I think that that's probably the most applicable part of my interaction with you and how I can relay what you guys are seeing behind the scenes at the bank to clients that I'm working with. Um, So I want to spend some time today talking through just some basic scams that you're seeing across the board. And then also just hear some stories if you're able to share some good ones, just to make it a little more applicable um, to the listener. So let's start with just a couple scams or types of scams that you're seeing most recently here at the bank. Absolutely. Um, One of the most frequent scams we get, I call it the job scam, or people might know it as the Craigslist scam. And what that involves is a consumer is looking for a job. They want to be employed and they go to a variety of websites to find that employment. And unfortunately, they'll find themselves on Craigslist is one of the examples we use. And they unknowingly connect with a fraudster posing as though they have a job opportunity. And what ends up happening is that fraudster goes through the traditional application process. They're asking our consumer for a lot of personal information, um, which obviously is scary, but not something you would necessarily question because you get that if you apply for a job anywhere. Mm-hmm. And once the application is complete, the employer will then send a check to this new employee. It can be called uh, business supplies, office supplies, or even a new hiring bonus, which any new employee would enjoy. Mm-hmm. But the kicker is, is they're telling their new employee, Hey, why don't you go ahead and deposit this check? And you know what? I gave you a little bit extra. So why don't you send that back to me? Mm-hmm. And typically that is then sent back in the form of a gift card or a cashier's check. And the employee new to this company is excited for this and doesn't realize that the funds from the initial check are fraudulent. They have then sent the funds back to this employee who is a fraudster. And so they're out the money, their account is debited for money. And unfortunately there's no job for this person. So really preying on vulnerable people, people wanting to do good and, and seeing that money sent away. Do you think you're, we're seeing that a lot just because of the pandemic and there was a lot of unemployment at one point, has that just kind of Absolutely. come up again a lot? Yep. It's, it was always a very consistent scam. Um, but when you throw a pandemic in there, a lot of these work from home opportunities are really appealing to, to consumers. Mm-hmm. And so that combined with the pandemic absolutely can spur that on. Mm -hmm. And again, as we've mentioned, you know, scammers, fraudsters, they prey on those vulnerable people that are trying to do their best. And when you add a pandemic in it, that just makes people so much more vulnerable and wanting to help and needing that money and needing those funds. Mm -hmm. And so scammers are quite manipulative in cases such as this. 
Yeah. So what should somebody do if they can find themselves in this? Let me ask again. What should people do if they find themselves in this situation and they're recognizing that it's probably scams? Yeah, absolutely. I always tell customers, if anybody tells you deposit this and send me it back, it's Mm -hmm. probably too good to be true. First thing to do, you can call local authorities. Absolutely. You can call your police departments, local law enforcement. They know what to do in situations like this. You can also look up the company on the Better Business Bureau to make sure they're Mm -hmm. reputable. Um, But I always tell our customers, call us. All of our teams here, our staff, not just customer support, but our branches, our customer service, they are trained to identify scams such as these. We can take a look at that check. We can verify funds with the bank that it's drawn off of and learn a little bit more and protect our customers. So if a customer thinks they are scammed, they, again, can reach out to law enforcement, Better Business Mm -hmm. Bureau, or anybody at Union Bank and Trust or a local financial institution to help with that check. Because this is not just happening at UBT. We're not just seeing this at UBT with our customers. This is happening across the board, no matter where you are. Absolutely. So what are some other scams that you're seeing here at the bank? We've got another one that is, you know, help a family member scam. And this can be quite scary because what generally happens is a fraudster is calling where a lot of scams are done online or digitally. This is truly Mm -hmm. a phone call and it is calling and saying, Hey, Caitlin, your friend is in jail. They really need mm-hmm. money to get bailed out. They might pose as like a bail bondsman, for example. We've okay. had scammers pose as local courts or stating, hey, there's a warrant out for your friend's mm-hmm. arrest and you really need to send us this money. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when you hear that your friend is in trouble, the first yeah. thing you want to do is, is give them money and help them get out of trouble. Yeah, for sure. And um, they send money to these people in a variety of ways. And the most frequent that I have seen is you need to get cash or you need to purchase a money order and drop that off at a location. And mm-hmm. it, it just pains me. We, we actually worked with a customer who unfortunately fell for that, but we were able to help prevent an actual loss. The customer called us and they were really concerned. They said some comments about, hey, I need to increase my debit card ATM limit. I really need to get some cash to help a friend. And as soon as we heard help a friend, we thought, okay, here's up. We needed to mm-hmm. hear more. And so we were like, sure, let's, let's pull up your account. Let's see what we can do. And just having a conversation with our customer, we knew that she seemed a little off. She wasn't as forthcoming with information mm-hmm. and we felt as though something wasn't right. And one of our specialists actually asked, are we on a three-way call? She paused and that pause turned into her disconnecting from us. So we had our customer on the phone. Um, We felt like some of the verbiage language just wasn't right. But then when asked if we were on a three-way call to get that disconnect, that's a big red flag. Mm -hmm. So we were sharing that amongst our team and not five, 10 minutes later, the same customer calls right back. And we ask again, are you okay? Are you on a three-way call? Are you being prompted? And Mm -hmm. that's when she released all this information to us. She said, yes, I was on a three-way call. I was told I needed to take out X amount of dollars from an ATM Mm -hmm. and give that my friend has a warrant out and they need that, or they were going to keep them in jail. Mm -hmm. And she was supposed to take this money and drop it off at an undisclosed location to help her friend. Mm -hmm. And luckily she didn't have any loss and that was amazing. But if you're not listening for those keywords and that's what we train our teams for, listen to that. It's very rare that someone's just going to walk in and say, Hey, I I need thousands of dollars to help my friend. Just key Mm -hmm. phrases like that. It was amazing that we could prevent that, but still so scary that Mm -hmm. things like that happen. And I go back to saying our fraudsters and scammers, they prey on people's 
you know, vulnerability and just willing to help others. And they know that sometimes you might not question it if you're trying to help a friend. And, and we mm -hmm. told them, Hey, if they call and say, my friend, your friend is in trouble. You should probably try and call that friend. Cause we see it with friends, yes. we see it with family members, try and call them, try and connect with them, see if they truly are in need or in trouble. Yes. That's so key. And that's something I even teach about in with my financial literacy is when in doubt, call the person. Call if there's actually a concern with your family, your friend, whomever it is that's claiming um, to need something or on behalf of somebody else, especially when it comes to social mm -hmm. media fraud. That's just a big one I, because I work a lot with younger folks. I get a lot of the feedback with the social media fraud of people posing as a friend that's on mm -hmm. their social media asking for money. My number one advice is call your friend, <laughs> call them, go over to their house, see if they really are in need, especially if you have easy access to them, because maybe they're not. And is it odd that they're asking you for money? Exactly. Are you not the typical person that would be mm -hmm. asked for money in this situation. So Brittany, I want to go into this big online dating kind of companionship idea with scams. It's something I'm hearing a lot and I'm sure you all are dealing with a lot, especially right now. Cause we're just in this, we're still in this isolation mode with it coming out of the pandemic where people are still working at home and people are just lonely. I just think depression, anxiety, mental health issues are, it's just, it's all gonna, the statistics are going to start coming out. Um, and I know that that just translates into more fraud and more opportunity because it's vulnerable people being preyed yep. upon. And so I want to go into this idea of like what scams look like in companionship type situations. So can you tell me a little bit about that? And then I've got a really good story to kind of add on in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, being in a pandemic, it's certainly isolates and people want to connect. They want to have that mm -hmm. feeling of belonging and it doesn't even have to be anything romantic. It's just a relationship. Like you said, a companionship. And we do find customers are susceptible to these companionship type scams. And normally this is something that is picked up over social media. We see it a lot with Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is it might be an ad. It could be simply a post saying, hey, I really want to connect with you. Mm -hmm. And I'd be willing to pay for this companionship service. And all you need is to you know, talk to me two to three times a week. And they kind of lay everything out right then and there. Hmm. What happens is they will respond to this ad, you know, for companionship mm -hmm. and connect with this fraudster, which obviously they don't know it's a fraudster. They think it's a real person and relationship right. established. And that's when they learn that this person wants to pay them in a couple of manners. Um, we find, you know, they still will do, Hey, let me send you a check and there might be extra money, but really what's kind of taking precedence over sending a check is saying, Hey, Caitlin, you know, I want you to be my friend and I really want to pay you, but I don't want to send a paper check. This is the digital age. Um, can mm -hmm. I deposit money into your account? And so they okay. ask you for your online banking login credentials and they then do a mobile deposit into your account, which seems great because you think you're getting money. But as you mm -hmm. can imagine, as it turns out, that deposited check is fraudulent or fake. Mm -hmm. And not only is that going to negatively impact your account, but that fraudster now has your online banking credentials. They can access account statements, your account number, a lot of mm -hmm. personal information that then allows them to conduct fraud activity on your account, either with or without you knowing. And they may still have that dialogue with you and companionship with you, all mm -hmm. while transactions may be posting to your account that you're not aware of. So I have a question. This has always confused me and maybe I'm just ignorant to the whole process, but how are they making a deposit with online credentials? Like just doing yeah. like a deposited check. You got it. What they'll okay. do is 
they will, they'll go to the app store, they'll find the appropriate bank app, and then they'll do a mobile deposit. So taking a picture of the front and back of that check, okay. and they would have to use the customer's login credentials to get that far. And like I said, having a username and password, you might not think is, is too sensitive. Um, you and I think that because we work mm-hmm. at the bank, we know mm-hmm. what that leads right. to. Um, but the person craving that companionship thinks, oh, it's just something simple. They won't do anything with it, but you've really just opened your whole personal account information to a complete stranger. So really their underlying thing is let me just deposit this check. Cause I could take a picture mm-hmm. of the front and back. It'll be easier than me wiring you money or using these apps. You don't have to wait for it. It's deposited there, but give me your online credentials so I can go in there as you and deposit yeah. the check. You so that's, that's the mindset of this, this mm-hmm. scheme right there. Okay. I've, that's the missing link is they're depositing this check. I feel really silly having asked that, <laughs> but this provides a lot of clarification for me. No, it's, it's just, it's, it's silly overall for a lack of a better word. I mean, I, I still go back to scammers and preying on that vulnerability. You want to help somebody and you've got someone in a pandemic craving companionship. Right. And you want to do everything you can to help somebody. And so sometimes those little red flags that you and I think about kind of go out the window because we think we're doing something good and helpful. Right. I have a good friend um, that works as a personal banker at another bank. And he was telling me this story of a gentleman that had come in to open up an account and sat there and told him about how he has this long lost sister that lives in California that has connected with him. And they have been connected for several months and it's, they're building their relationship up and um, they've, you know, sent pictures and they, they found each other on, I think it was one of those ancestry type things. And um, so he's reconnected with this long lost sister and he's trying to open up an account and put her name on it so that she can have access to it. Cause she's, you know, she's having some financial trouble. It all sounded very kosher for a Mm -hmm. while. And then he started talking about how other banks were refusing to open up accounts for him. And so here's this red flag that goes off in Mm -hmm. my friend's ear. And he's, and he's asked, you know, tell me more about this. And he said, yeah, these, these banks around the city won't open this account for me because, because I want to put my sister's name on it and come to find out this sister doesn't have the same name as him. She's significantly younger. So he's in his sixties and she's probably in her late twenties, which likely would not add up. And so my friend is digging a little bit more. And the more he dug into this information, the more information this gentleman was willing to share and just come to find out it was just somebody that had built a companionship with this gentleman Mm -hmm. over this pandemic who was lonely. And he had been sending her little bits of money at a time. And then she eventually got him to open up an account or at least attempt with her name on it so she can access money constantly. So it was this buildup of the companionship part of it. So when my friend John was sitting there talking to this gentleman, he said, I'm really sorry. We just, we're not going to be able to open up this account for you. And he looked at this gentleman and he said, you're being scammed. And Mm -hmm. this gentleman got very defensive. Now John did all the right steps. He got his manager involved. He got feedback. There was, there was a lot of things that gave him the right as a bank employee to say, you're being scammed and he did it, but this gentleman blew up at him and come to find out this had been the pattern at all these banks within the area. Mm -hmm. They just kept denying, denying because they're like textbook scamming. But I want to ask you, how do you work with people that refuse to believe that they're being scammed? 
Well, denial is, is a huge obstacle to overcome, especially when you've been involved with this person or fraudster for an extended period of time. It's just, it's just so hard to fathom that someone that maybe you've built a relationship with over the past couple of months is truly taking advantage of you. And so for us, we do try our hardest to explain everything that's going on, everything that we see. We try to put um, into words other scams, other customers, other stories that has, have fallen into the same realm. And unfortunately, you do have to be a little bit more direct, sometimes aggressive in explaining that this is truly, in fact, what is happening. I wish there was a, an easy, clear-cut way to, to break through, but denial is something really heavy, especially, like I said, when someone has been working with someone and feels as though they have a bond and they've established a relationship, they really don't want to give that up if they feel there's a connection. Like with your example, if he's thinking this is his long lost sister, that's huge. That's someone he hasn't connected with and, and he's hoping for that outlet and for that opportunity to do so. Yeah. It made me really sad when John told me this story, just simply because my heart was breaking for this gentleman during this really isolated time in our history. And then has to be told by these financial institutions, right. you're wrong. Like you're, you can't do this. But I also know that that's something that when dealing with any sort of fraud, you have to get the person to believe that also when the fraudster has spent a lot of time making them right. believe otherwise. <laughs> Absolutely. You've got to undo all that fraudsters work and it is yeah. hard to do. Yeah, for sure. Well, moving on, I want to talk about different payments that come along with scams. Sure. Because one of the things that I really press is a lot of times scams, it just doesn't add up when it comes to how they expect payment. And so I want to pick your brain about that. Um, one of the big ones that I know of is gift cards. So can you just talk a little bit about what fraudsters or scammers are asking of a person to do for them in form of payment? You've hit it right on the head. Gift cards is traditionally the number one avenue for getting funds. It used to be let me send you a cashier's check and you send me the difference. Mm -hmm. And it used to be, send me that difference in the form of a money order, cashier's check or gift card. But gift cards is huge to our fraudsters. And the reason why is unlike a cashier's check, a personal check, those items can all have stop payments placed on them. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like you're being scammed and you wrote a check, you could come right to the bank, place a stop payment and your money's not going anywhere. Okay. Well, when a fraudster is requesting a gift card, that's not anything that you or I or the gift card company can stop. So once you've gotten that gift card and you call or email the fraudster back, they're wanting the gift card number. And sometimes there's an associated pin with that gift card. Mm -hmm. Once you give that to them, typically it's like a Visa gift card, for example, mm -hmm. not, you know, an Applebee's or Chili's. It's not mm -hmm. a store card. But once that fraudster has that, they can transfer the money from the gift card into another digital gift card or to their own account. And so now our customer has purchased okay. a gift card and they've purchased the gift card legally mm -hmm. and now the funds have left. And so now there's no recourse. Unfortunately, the mm -hmm. customer can't dispute the charge with their bank because they authorized the purchase of a gift card. You can't go to that store. You know, mm -hmm. a Best Buy, for example, is one that we've worked with and we've actually had customers call from the store and Best Buy representatives call us saying, Hey, we think a customer's being scammed. They're trying to buy thousands of dollars in gift cards. So even retailers are great at identifying this. And wow. so the Best Buy stores, they can't get any money back for our customers. We can't either. The funds are truly gone. And I think that's the most disheartening about scams is our fraudsters, unfortunately, have gotten smart. 
they've gotten savvy on how to collect funds and for them not to be traceable. And outside of gift cards, they look at more digital ways to pay. So your Cash App, your Venmo, your Zelle, they're instant, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, They're typically not something that can be disputed and recoup funds for. So the customer's out, the fraudster has the money, and there's really no further recourse. And that's awful. It's just a horrible, gut-wrenching feeling if you're a customer that has just, it's just truly your hard earned money that you have since mm-hmm. lost. Our team, it's not necessarily fraud related, but it is a way we identify fraud is customers, they can increase their debit card limits and their ATM limits. And one of the ways we try to mitigate fraud is when they call to increase their card limit, we're asking, you know, what are you purchasing? What mm-hmm. is the nature of that merchant? Because mm-hmm. if someone calls us and says, you know, Nebraska Furniture Mart, for example, we know what the nature of that purpose mm-hmm. is. Um, but if they were to say, oh, I'm, I'm buying gift cards and we do get that quite frequently, that certainly is a term that just sticks with us. And we ask many, many questions to figure out who's the gift card going to, how are you approached for this gift card? Um, we have a whole line of questioning mm-hmm. and I know it can seem almost like a little bit of an interrogation, but I don't think I've ever worked with a customer that was upset that we asked questions about gift cards. If anything, we get more customers saying, well, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And, oh, I didn't know there were scams about that. Mm -hmm. And I think we've maybe thwarted four or five opportunities where customers were truly being frauded by the purchase of gift cards. Mm -hmm. You have to be on guard for, you know, increasing a debit card for the purchase strictly of a gift card. I'm fascinated by the gift card one, because I think there's an association with why does somebody want to get paid with a gift card, social security scams or IRS scams, where people are being told I'm from the IRS. If you don't do this and pay me in gift cards, then this will happen. You have to ask yourself, why would the IRS want to Walmart? Like why? (laughs) And I think that's what I'm trying to teach, especially young people is you have to ask yourself, does this make sense to be asking for a gift card when mm-hmm. they work for the IRS? I mean, I can understand the relationship scammers where they're going, Oh, I need yes. to go shopping. I need food. Can you send me a Walmart gift card? But the ones where it's businesses or local authorities, why would you pay them in a gift card? And like you mentioned with the IRS and social security, that is still a scam that's ongoing. It's not necessarily talked about as much, but I think the key thing to tell customers as well is, IRS and social security office is not going to call you. Um, They communicate with their customers through letters. I mean, if anybody had stimulus over the past year and a half, you'll see that you get a letter. You'll see that they broadcast things directly on their website. They have their own, you know, podcasts and blogs, anything to relay information. They're not going to call you. And unfortunately people still think, Hey, the social security is calling me. This is legitimate. I have to take it when in reality it's not. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes I've told customers as well, if you are on the phone and you're questioning it, ask them a simple question, see if they can answer it. If you are in social security and you're working for the government, you Mm. should know some government related questions. Mm. And uh, personally, I I hung out with my mom one time when she received a call from the social security office and Mm -hmm. she just asked, who is our current president? And they couldn't answer the question. Oh, wow. (laughs) This brings up a really good point. I want to ask, how can us regular folks just doing our everyday thing, be protected against fraud. I would say, watch, watch what you post on social media, mm-hmm. um, placing out there, you know, where you work, who you work with, 
Mm. pictures, phone numbers, emails, none of that needs to be on social media. Um, the way I think about it is if you have a Facebook page, why do you need to have an email and phone number when people can directly message you through Facebook mm. messenger, for example, okay. why does that, ne- why does that need to be out there for anybody mm. to obtain? So I would say limit your information out on social media for one. When you do receive a phone call, if it's truly not someone that you're expecting a call from, it's not anybody you've worked with before, you have no right to have to continue that conversation with mm-hmm. them. Um, I know it's hard for us to be you know, rude or not want to mm-hmm. have that phone call, but it's quite easy to say, no, thank you. I'm not interested in hang up. You need to listen for when you take those calls or if you get an email. Listen specifically for those keywords. What is that person asking you for? Mm-hmm. If they're calling you, they should know your name already. Um, they might know your address already as well. So if they were asking me for address or if they're asking me to verify my name when they just called me, that would put up a red flag. The verification piece. I want to bring this up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a lot of people, correct me if I'm wrong. I've heard a lot of people say that they, they get people on the phone and they say, I need to verify your social security mm-hmm. number. Absolutely. And that was one of the things I've been told. You should never give your social security number. So if they need to verify, they need to give it back to you. Correct. You're absolutely correct. That's, we call that phishing for information. And so they'll call and they, they think they have your name, but now they need to collect more info. And what's scary about that is some people will say, oh yeah, your social security, or maybe they're posing as your local bank. Sure. Here's my social, here's my date of birth. Well, you've given this person all the information. So guess what that fraudster is going to do? They're then calling local financial institutions because they don't know where your bank account is, but they're trying to figure out, does Caitlin have a bank account here? I've got her name and social. Let me call this bank and see. And it, it sounds, it sounds crazy and it sounds so simple, but, but think about that. If, if they've got information and try and verify a customer, that's what they're trying to do is find out where that financial relationship lies. Um, when it comes to emails, we all get a bunch of spam emails um, and they're frustrating at times. It's like, Hey, when did I, when did I register for this? Why am I getting this email? Mm-hmm. Be very cautious on what you click on, because I also go back to reputable businesses aren't going to email you asking for social security number. They're not going to ask you for all this personal information. Um, so what I encourage customers to do is before they click on an email, you can take your cursor or your mouse and you can hover over the email link. And when you do, it provides a pop-up and it gives like a destination as to where that email truly originated from. So if you think you're getting an email from ubt.com, but you kind of hover over it and it says caitlin.smith at tacobell.com, you know that they're not associated. That's not the same people. And we be cautious on that. And we have had customers that get random emails like that. And what's really great is they stop and they call us directly. Mm-hmm. And they'll try and explain, Hey, I got this email. Can you help me identify if this is legitimate? And while it's really hard to identify legitimacy over the phone, when it comes to an email, we do have a generic email address that we can ask our customers to forward that to us. And that allows us to take a closer look. And then okay. if need to here at Union Bank, we've got additional IT experts that can help take a look at it as well. Yeah. So a lot of the scams are coming through email and you should never yeah. verify information through email. Correct. Absolutely. Correct. All right. So those, those seem very basic. Just be aware of where you're getting information from or where you're giving information to and when in doubt, call your bank. Yes. Local authorities, because like we said at the beginning, 
this isn't just for UBT customers. This is yeah. across the board, especially mm-hmm. during this pandemic. You know, us, us as humans, we want to be good and we want to help people and a pandemic while scary, it, it brings people together. And so we all want to be in a helping mode. Mm-hmm. And it's just so unfortunate that people want to take advantage of that and, and take hard earned money from people during a time such as this. Yeah. It's, it really is heartbreaking. We have time for one more scam. If you have a good one to tell us about. Absolutely. We have got one. It is heartbreaking. And if you're an animal lover, you, you might be a little crushed. Um, it's nothing scary by any means. No animals are harmed in this. Um, but what it is, is it's called the puppy scam. And so here I am, I want to get an animal. I'm super excited. It's pandemic. I want a little animal companion at home to hang out with. And so you might go to social media, for example, looking for reputable breeders or suppliers. Well, that's how the fraudster gets the in. They'll say, oh, Caitlin is wanting to adopt in. So I've, I've got one for you, Caitlin. I can hook you up. And so you'll move your conversation probably to like a private message, maybe an email, could even be a phone call. And they are promising that there is a puppy available. They will tell you that there's a non-refundable deposit, which is honestly, it's pretty kosher for most breeders. There is a non-refundable deposit. Mm -hmm. Um, But what this fraudster doesn't provide you with is generally, they won't give you a picture of the animal. They might describe it to you, but no picture, no live video feed. Mm -hmm. And the big key here is they do not give you a contract. Most breeders are going to provide you with a contract that lists the animal when you can receive the animal. I mean, it's, it's two to three pages long, just basically about the purchase of this animal. And so we get really excited and think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this dachshund Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to put a couple hundred dollars down, no picture, no contract. I'm Mm -hmm. ready to go. I'm going to send my money to this fraudster again, electronically. This is more of your Venmo cash app ways to send funds. And then once that fraudster gets the money, all further communication ceases Mm -hmm. because they have your funds and there's truly no animal for purchase. Mm -hmm. Um, That one has been one that's been picking up and it just infuriates me because I'm an animal lover and I get excited, Mm -hmm. but we have had works with some customers that have encountered it. And it's Mm -hmm. really interesting because one of our team members did take a call and the customer, they point blank said, Oh my gosh, I fell for that puppy scam. They knew right away they had Mm -hmm. fallen for it. And we couldn't get funds recouped for, for them, but they were calling to see what offer, you know, we could advise them of, sure. and they were trying to see how we could protect their account. Um, and just going in line with protecting an account. I do want to say that if anybody, you know, finds that they have released personal information to a fraudster, as you've mentioned, contact your bank. Mm-hmm. Um, we can place warnings and notes that kind of alert employees that maybe someone has fallen for a scam or information has been released. But also you should contact your credit bureaus. If you have released a social security number, date of birth, you need to alert local credit bureaus, uh, your experience, your trans unions, for example, Mm -hmm. they can place credit freezes. And I think that's amazing to do because if a fraudster does take your personal information and decides to open an account or attempts to open a loan, for example, that customer would immediately get an alert to know of that. And so I would always say protect your information in that manner. Um, Union Bank, and I'm sure other banks offer as well. We've got different identity protection programs um, that do help customers for a minimal fee. And that's something customers should explore. And we do share that with our customers that have been impacted. Um, But I don't want customers to think I've released my information. Now, what do I do? There are some protective measures that we can help them to take to protect them in the future. Absolutely. And it also helps the bank know what's going on out there that we can protect customers proactively instead of reactively too. You got it. 
Well, Brittany, this has been fun. I love this type of stuff. I I think my nature is like investigative, like what's happening out there, the nitty gritty. So I just appreciate your stories and um, just hearing about this stuff. This is just a subject that drives me absolutely bonkers um, because it's people taking advantage of other people. And I just loathe that. And so I am really passionate about getting the word out, especially to young people that are just completely yes. unaware of this stuff and elderly folks that are really a huge target for these things. So just thank you so much for your time and, um, and what you do too, cause you're amazing at it. Thanks. I appreciate Caitlin. A lot of fun, a lot of great experts on our team. And like you yeah. said, give us a call anytime. We're happy to help. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on money better today. Thank you. These are the words we say. In each Money Better episode, we highlight a community partner that is doing money better. Whether it is a nonprofit, a customer, or an expert in the field, our goal is to learn from their strengths and introduce you to resources that can help you do money better too. Featuring these people and organizations through our podcast is just a small part of UBT's larger mission to elevate the communities we serve. Thank you for joining us today for our community partner segment of episode 10 on scams and fraud. I am honored to be joined by Sergeant Steve Weiss from LPD from Lincoln Police Department. He's been with the department for 22 years and he's currently the supervisor for technical investigation unit, which is really a fancy word for saying white collar crimes. So thank you so much, Steve, for being with us today. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do for LPD? Um, like I said, I am the supervisor for uh, the technical investigations unit. So we're at five um, investigators, two are permanent, three rotate out, meaning that they'll come in here for four years and they go back to the street, kind of take what they've learned while in here and pass it on to the street officers. So everybody can learn. Uh, I can tell you that there's a lot of street officers that get nervous with frauds. Uh, and so to have experience from their time in here to take back to the street to teach, especially the new newer officers. So they're comfortable with frauds. They know what questions to ask is a good benefit. Um, but essentially we work um, anything involving uh, the theft of money, whether it be through uh, the scams that we're going to talk about today or your common or more typical frauds of uh, somebody has their credit card stolen or their Mm -hmm. uh, bank account information compromised in some manner. We do a joint investigation uh, with our criminal unit when it comes to bank robberies. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I can't wait to dig into the scam stories or what you, what you all are seeing um, within our community. And I know that a lot of these scams stretch further than our community here in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be valuable information. So I would love to hear just some, some common scams that you're seeing as far as money scams go within our community here in Lincoln. Uh, we see an awful lot of those, obviously, uh, every day uh, to start off my day. That's the first thing that I'll do is I research or look up reports that the street officers take, um, during the previous day or the previous week so that I can see what's going on. If I pick up on something, I'll assign it to one of my investigators. Um, obviously the, 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 the officers on the street are the ones that see what's going on out there. The big one we're seeing right now is the IRS scam okay. um, where somebody calls up. It's not really the IRS. It's, it's either IRS or some other government agency essentially saying, 
um, that either with the IRS, it's your social security number has been compromised in mm-hmm. some fashion, or it's the your social security number was used um, in connection with a crime. And that crime is always something that occur, occurred in Texas. And I don't know why they picked mm-hmm. Texas, but that's always where it's out of. And, you know, the issue is with technology today, um, these the, the bad guys, the, mm-hmm. the people who are doing this, the scams will contact and they'll spoof the number, um, meaning that it may look like a number that comes back to the El Paso Police Department or the okay. Texas Rangers or something like that. Or even then, they don't even have to do that. They can spoof a number. They can get a text now number and it, it kind of limits the investigative leads that we have. People hear that and it used to be a thing where they would kind of um, set their sights on the older population, but mm-hmm. now it, it doesn't matter anymore. It, it runs the whole gamut. Okay. But they'll say that their their uh, social security number was used or um, because it was used, they need to protect their money. And in order to protect their money, they need to withdraw all of their money from their bank accounts and put all that money onto gift cards. And then they'll buy the gift cards and then they always want them to either read them the numbers on the back of the gift card or they'll want them to take a picture of it and send it to them. And then essentially, once that happens, that money is gone. We talked about that on the bank side, that the gift card scams are huge because they can immediately transfer those funds to another gift card or accounts, things like that. Yeah, and that it, and it can happen pretty instantaneously because yeah. we will follow up on those types to try and track where the money went. And it's usually by the time even folks that realize they're being scammed at that time we'll contact them and find that that money that they had just, or that numbers, those numbers they had just read, that money's already uh, gone and and it's spent in some other way or transferred in some other fashion. Should people be reporting this to LPD? Absolutely. um, They should. Um, First of all, that's why we're here. Um, That's why people pay their taxes for us to do their job. And it serves as twofold. We like to think, as police officers that, that we know what's going on in the community, but we only know what's going on in the community when people tell us what's going on. Yeah. You know, we're always one step behind these guys, unfortunately. So they're always changing their methods. You know, when I first got into this unit uh, about six or seven years ago, we saw a lot of money through uh, Western Union or MoneyGram, mm-hmm. those, those types of money order companies. That, that's it's almost gone away. Um, you know, now they've adopted to where they go to uh, gift cards. But here now we're starting to see an increase of where they're trying to get people to send U.S. currency through the mail. Um, we're seeing kind of a rise in that kind of stuff, too. And then we like sh- they ship them in envelopes, cash in envelopes, or, you know, they'll tell folks to uh, put cash into magazines and they'll wrap that magazine into um, wrap that magazine in tinfoil. And they'll mail it to an address. And usually it's an address on the East Coast, um, usually New Jersey for whatever reason, or the West Mm -hmm. Coast. Um, And I know that in doing uh, some of these investigations, kind of trying to follow the money, uh, we'll contact those uh, law enforcement agencies out in that jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. And what we find out is that usually it's uh, it's either a vacant or kind of a drug home. Or it's a home that is available to rent on, you know, your VRBO or Airbnb or something like that. So they'll rent that home so that they know nobody will be there. And then they'll hire somebody, whether it's like on the Craigslist or 
some other way, usually they're not involved to go and pick up the money so that, again, they distance themselves from the crime a little bit. So they'll pick the money up and then they'll send it someplace else. So they're just another form of being a money mule, essentially. Right. That's fascinating. And actually the, the folks on the East and West Coast, they're actually working with the major partial companies, your FedExes, your mm-hmm. Postal Service, your UPS, and they have actual task force. And those task force include people with those partial carriers, the, uh, the package carriers, and then usually have uh, a drug officer and then a financial mm-hmm. investigator because it's they're, if they're moving money, they're moving drugs and all sorts of other illegal sure. things. We also see an awful lot of the computer pop-ups uh, where folks will have a pop-up on their computer saying that there's some sort of a problem or there's a virus issue or their security services, something is with that. And they'll want you to click on a link or call that number. You know, folks kind of panic on on that note. And so they'll call the number on click on the link. Um, the only problem is, is that number isn't to Microsoft or Apple or somebody else. It's a, it's a just, it's probably a number that is directed to a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And then they'll call them up and say, hey, you bought a security software a year ago. Well, we're going out of business. So we want to refund your money. And nobody remembers when they are. Yeah, I might have bought a security service. I think that sounds about right. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, well, we're going out of business and we need to refund your money, but I need access to your computer. And folks will allow them the the team viewer type of concept will allow them access to their computer. And once they're in your computer, they can see everything, including your, if you do online banking, they have access to that. And so inevitably what will happen is I just need this information or your account information so that I can credit your account to $300. Well, they'll say, they'll ask the victim to enter in the amount of $300. Well, they'll enter in $300, but on the screen, it'll show up as $3,000 or $30,000. Oh my gosh. They're talking to will start to panic and they'll say, I'm going to lose my job. You got to help me out here. And they'll ask them to go and withdraw that money um, and put it again on gift cards or to mail it to them or something like that. And what ends up happens if somebody looks at their um, checking account, say they'll look on their screen, they'll see that $30,000 was placed into their account. The issue is, is that money was taken from their savings account or another account that they have and transferred to their checking account. So yeah, it looks like they had 30,000 in there, but it's 30,000 of their own money. Oh my gosh. Does this happen a lot? This happens an awful lot. Uh, The last one that I worked, luckily enough, I was contacted by uh, an officer in New Jersey where there was a particular house they had been sitting back on where it was getting packages and um, they intercepted a package. And I believe it had close to $20,000 in it. It's a victim here in Lincoln who had been contacted in just this manner and did. She was worried. She, you know, nobody wants to get anybody fired for anything. And so she mailed the money to this head, this address in uh, New Jersey. Luckily, uh, law enforcement out there is proactive. They contacted us. I contacted her. We were able to reunite her uh, with her money. So that's a, that's a success story. Yeah. Um, fortunately, that's, it's far too rare and, and doesn't happen as much as, as we would like to see it happen. Is there a target, um, age group for that one in particular that you've seen? That computer one more is more of the older population, just because uh, I don't want to generalize here because there are people like my dad who's older than me. That's more computer savvy than I am, (laughs) but 
generally speaking, they don't, you know, their computer skills aren't as high as those Sure. younger than them. You know, I've got a seven-year-old that can run my phone better than I can. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of in the middle of, of, of things there between my dad and my, and my son. So yeah. that tends to be the, the population that is hit the most. Okay. And by, you know, older is 55 and above. So, so when it comes to the two scams you've talked about, which are phone and computer ones, what are some other precautions that people should be um, taking when it comes to Maybe if they do start feeling a little weird about what's happening, what are some red flags that should go up? I'm glad you brought that up because there's one thing that I I neglected to say is there's common themes in all of these. But the big one is, is um, obviously no legitimate government agency is going to ask for. There's certainly no government agency, and I'm not aware of any legitimate business that will take payment in the form of gift cards. Um, So that's a red flag. And the second red flag is they're going to try and keep victims on the phone. They want to keep them on the phone so they can listen to what's going on. So they can make sure that they're going to get their money through uh, an illegal way. And they can also give them or feed them information that they can tell the victim to tell the clerks at the at the department stores or the bank tellers. And then they also get very pushy and very abrasive and very, very abusive. They may even threaten physical harm to them or family members, or whatever the case may be. Now, mm-hmm. keep in mind, most of the time, if not all the time, these folks are nowhere near Lincoln, Nebraska, and probably couldn't pick Lincoln, Nebraska off of a map. So they're usually overseas or someplace further. So, you know, the threat, the actual ability for them to carry out harm to somebody, I can't say is zero, but it's it's very minimal. That's not the way any government agency is going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not the way any business is going to work. You know, they're, they're going to have customer service that even if you do owe money or something like that, they're not going to become abusive. Not become abrasive because even in, uh, I would imagine in the private sector, somebody could lose their job. Um, if I were to become abusive with somebody and try to force them to send money, I would certainly lose my job. Right. Um, and just that's just not the way uh, we operate or any business would operate. So yeah. they'll keep them on the phone just to make sure that they're going through with the script because they'll get, they'll, they'll tell them, uh, they'll tell these scammers will tell the victims what to tell bank uh, tellers that. Oh, it's a gift. It's, you know, this time of year is a bad one um, because we've got graduation. So they'll say, well, I'm buying my granddaughter a car because she graduates. Or I'm buying my grandson a, a suit because he's graduating college or whatever the case may be. You know, this time of year, Christmas, Easter, any major holiday in America is a bad time because they'll. Yeah. And believe me, compared to six years ago, uh, bank tellers, bank employees, and even store clerks are doing a lot better job of recognizing something's going on here. If I get the opportunity to speak to bank employees or even clerks at stores, department stores, that they see somebody on the phone, it may be more happen more than I'm aware of because I'm not in that industry. But usually, especially here in the Midwest, if they're on the phone when they come up to a clerk or a, a bank employee, they're going to put it down. They're going to end the phone call or they're not going to come up until that phone call is over with because it's just a lot of us consider that rude. So if they're on the phone or they set the phone down nearby so that somebody can hear it, it, it might be 
cause to to ask a few more questions. So at the bank, we deal a lot with scams involving things like um, Venmo, PayPal, Zelle, um, so Cash App. Mm -hmm. Do you deal with anything in the community like that? Right now, the ones we're mainly seeing with Venmo and those Cash App, they're growing in frequency and the amount that we're seeing them. A lot of them right now that I'm seeing involve the purchase of pets where they want to buy a pet you know, they see a dog that's for sale wherever and they want to Venmo the money. And so folks do. And of course, then the conversation stops or they need more money. You know, they, they send the money. Well, now we need this money for the ship, this for the insurance. Now, we used to see this same thing, but they wanted it in gift cards. Now it's just switched to Venmo or, or the other different kinds of cash apps. Um mm-hmm. There's and it's going beyond pets now. I know I read a report here recently where somebody from Texas, legitimate victim from Texas, Venmoed somebody up here in Lincoln. So they they were communicating with somebody they believed was from Lincoln in order to to buy a dog. Mm-hmm. Then the conversation stopped. So they drove up here to Lincoln. They went to the house where this guy supposed where the mm-hmm. the suspect supposedly lived, and that the guy answered the door is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not selling any dog. And then they came to, to us and made the report. So it's, you know, you have people that are not only spending their money mm-hmm. and not getting anything, but then also taking time and additional money to drive to Lincoln. Or we've had victims from Lincoln drive to Michigan, Wisconsin, thinking that they're going to get a dog. So Well, and how dangerous is that to just show up to someone's house? Exactly. Whether yeah. they're the scammer or not. I mean, you don't know what's on the other side of that door. No, so. no you don't. Exactly. That's exactly. scary. This again brings up this conversation of when to report. I'm a big fan of telling people when in doubt, just report it. Absolutely. Um, at least give you guys a call. Um, I know, it, you know, the bank does a lot of communication with the police department. If we just feel like we've been scammed somehow, does it hurt to just call or what? what is the process that a, a person that they should call because again that's how we know what's going on mm-hmm. and these guys are always changing their tactics and so that way we can get ahead of or know that okay now we're no longer doing money orders we're doing um, gift cards now we're not doing gift cards anymore we're doing um, these cash apps or we're sending currency because they're always changing and in that way we uh, as a department can push that out to the public hey be aware this is what's going on. This is the new scam. If you're contacted here, then, you know, be aware it's probably a scam. You need to call us. And so that that's how we know what's going on. A lot of these scams aren't originating or the suspects aren't in Lincoln. Yeah. They don't have a real Lincoln connection other than the victim. What we'll do is, or what I'll have my investigators do is, especially if it's a large amount of money, I'll ask them to follow the money. I realize it's not in Lincoln and you're not going to get an arrest. However, uh, through a legal process, we can get bank records. And if we can show that there's a large amount of money going to an account, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's large enough money, we can pitch it to either the jurisdiction, there are police in that jurisdiction, mm-hmm. or if it's large enough, we can run it past the, our uh, counterparts in federal agencies who have a longer reach. And it may be something that maybe they're looking at, or we can at least pass it on to them and they can follow the money. We've had some some success in doing that before where there's a large amount of money going through an account where they're basically laundering the money. Now, whether mm-hmm. that person is also a victim, maybe it's something they're investigating or something that they can adopt and they can run with. It could be a victim in Lincoln, Nebraska that, that gets 
kind of this, the ball rolling. Yeah. That's what I always tell people is, you know, you may not be able to recover the money, but it could be a bigger issue. It could go up to federal level. And if, if police don't know, then they can't, they can't stop it from happening. Exactly. That is how we can notify the public and kind of get that positive police community interaction. This is going on now. Beware and Mm. and be skeptical of, of, of this. Yeah. So it's a big part of it. Yeah. Perfect. Well, is there any other stories or scams that we should know about here in our community? We're seeing a lot of unemployment type scams um, where people find out that their information was used to file unemployment in Nebraska or in some other state. Um, What I think the last I had known, the last I had heard is that a lot of the information they're getting these scammers are getting is part of the uh, either the data breach at uh, one of the major department stores or the data breach a couple of years ago at one of the credit reporting agencies. So when that happens, of course, somebody's information is out there. It ends up on the dark web and it's surprisingly cheap how many people's information you can get and try and do this scam. You know, I've I think uh, on any given day, I read at least two or three of these where, you know, Steve Weiss is contacted by the Department of Labor or the city HR contacts Steve Weiss and says, hey, you filed unemployment. What's the deal? Only to find out that that's not a legitimate. Somebody obtained my personal uh, identifying information Mm. and submitted it to the Department of Labor. I think this this, uh, state of Nebraska is doing a really good job of receiving a claim and sending it out. And I know they're doing their investigation. They encourage people who are victim of this to do a police report. And, and I would encourage that as well. For the, um, you know, the ones that always kind of uh, are, are tough for us to work are the romance scams. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. see so many of those right now. And I don't pretend to believe that those aren't happening. It's just one of those things they're not uh, being reported. But mm-hmm. um, we've got several stories where people have sent their life savings money that they've accumulated over their years of work, their whole retirement, they'll uh, send their money. Sometimes it is their life savings to this person believing that they can live with them or wherever they are. And, you know, these scammers to me are the most despicable uh, because they find somebody's, for lack of a better vulnerability, they expose you know, especially now I have a fear that we have a lot more just because of the social isolation that we kind of went through when it came to COVID where these folks will prey on somebody's vulnerability and get them to fall or believe all of the lies and and they send all their money. Uh, And it's sometimes, you know, I've had victims that I know of that I've worked with that no matter what I say, no matter how many times I say it, how many times loved ones in their family say it, how many friends say it, they just believe that this is true um, because they buy it whole, wholeheartedly. It's kind of, you know, the modern day version of the Stockholm syndrome a little bit. Um, this is kind of like any other crime where it's that equal opportunity age, doesn't matter education level. You know, we've had, you know, folks from, you know, high school diploma all the way up to folks with master's degrees that that have fallen because it doesn't know it just they, these guys these scammers uh, they're, they're good at social engineering yeah. they're good at doing all of that you know preying on somebody's vulnerabilities you know it's not below these guys to go to 
the obituaries and, and find information. And they'll social engineer these victims over a course of time. They may not ask for money right away, but it'll be some time. Sometimes it takes, I mean, they'll work six, seven, eight months before they start to ask for money because they would just want to get their foot in the door. And once they can get a little bit of money, then they know they've got them. So would always caution people, if you can make your Facebook profile private, if you don't want to do that, watch what you post on there because they'll get that. You know, if you're going on vacation, don't put pictures while you're on vacation wait till you come back. You know, I know we all want to show people, especially now that maybe we're getting out a little bit more. We want to show people, Hey, look where we're at, look what we're doing. But I would caution against that. Again, that just doesn't come from scammers that comes from the old fashioned crimes of burglary or anything like that, where if they see Steve Weiss is in Montana, pretty easy to figure out where Steve Weiss lives. And then, you know, they've got free reign of your home to do mm-hmm. whatever. So just, you know, a friend or a grandson, if they're in Costa Rica for a graduation trip or a family vacation, be wary of that because it's not beyond these scammers to, you know, this is the old grandma scam or grandpa scam uh, that we would see. We'll still see from time to time where, you know, if I'm on a vacation in Costa Rica, grandma knows I'm in Costa Rica on vacation and that's true. And so, okay, yeah, I guess it might be true. And hey, I got arrested and I'm going to give the phone to the police officer in Costa Rica mm. and 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 he needs you to send some money and don't call mom and dad because I don't want them to know. And of course, no grandma or grandpa wants to have their right. their grandkid in jail. And so they'll believe them. And of course, again, same thing. Well, they'll want to keep they'll hand the phone off to somebody else who acts as a law enforcement officer. They'll keep them on the phone and they want again the money either via one of those cash apps or they'll want it a gift cards. And again. No law enforcement agency, no government agency is going to take money over a cash app or a gift card. Right. And certainly no officer is going to, especially in America, no officer is going to want money in the form of, of gift cards or, or a cash app. If you get contacted uh, by somebody who says you have a warrant, because that's a one other one we're seeing uh, mm-hmm. that you'll, you miss jury duty, there's going to be a warrant. And the 22 years that I've worked, it's, I've, it's possible that that, is, that exists, but in 22 years, I have never seen or heard of anybody ever having a warrant because they missed jury duty. Um, but that doesn't give you license to skip it. Do not skip. No, do your <laughs> civic do your civic duty and, and show up because we need uh, good people on juries. You know, you can always contact. You, you wouldn't even need a law enforcement officer to do this. You, they can call the non-emergency number or 416000. They don't necessarily need an officer to come out, but we can run anybody and find out whether or not they have uh, a warrant, an actual warrant anywhere in the country. And I can almost guarantee you that if you if somebody were to call in to dispatch or not emergency and say, Hey, I was just called and told that I have a warrant. And I just want to verify that I don't because I haven't been to Texas or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. They're able to verify that. And I'm guarantee you that the call taker will be able to ask enough questions and be able to say, I don't even need to run you. I know you're being scammed Mm -hmm. because they know all the hallmarks of these types of scams as well. So when in doubt, just give you guys a call. Absolutely. There's no fee for calling us. No charge. 402-441-6000. Don't call 911. (laughs) No, don't call 911. Save that for uh, other things. But 441-6000. Absolutely. I know it sounds cliche uh, and old school, but you know, if it sounds too good to be true, mm-hmm. it is. You know, we'll see scams from time to time where somebody is contacted uh, by a Facebook friend and says, hey, Caitlin, you got to check this out. 
Um, I know you're hurting for money. I got, uh, uh, there's a new federal grant program. You need to contact this guy. And so, you know, I'll contact um, them only to find out that, you know, the, the friend's Facebook account was hacked. So if you see something like that, um, you know, especially now, because there are a lot of grant money from the, the government because of the, uh, the, the pandemic, um, if you get contacted by that, maybe call up that friend and ask them, hey, what's this deal with this federal grant program you sent me? Then that usually, no, my, my Facebook account was hacked. We do see that Facebook, Instagram, anytime any of your friends out of the blue, hey, here's some free money. I would throw up a red flag and definitely contact uh, my friend to verify that, that their, that their account wasn't hacked in some form or fashion. This has been super interesting, super helpful. Thank you so much for your time. You're clearly a wealth of knowledge when it comes to scams. And I just appreciate your time with us on money better today. I appreciate you having me. Bank and Trust financial literacy materials, articles, guides, blogs, podcasts, and videos are for informational purposes only and not an advertisement for product or service. The accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed and does not constitute legal or tax advice. Please consult with your own tax, legal, and financial advisors. Member FDIC.